Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. This time, Pardes is bringing Pesach to you. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Rachel Berkovitz coming to you from Jerusalem. This is Unit 11, where we're learning through the Mishnayot of Masechet Sachim. We are in Chapter 2, Mishnah 5. And the text opens, Elu dvarim sha'adam yotzebehem yedei chovato bepesach. These are the things that a human being fulfills their obligation on Pesach. And I'm just going to look ahead to Mishnah Vav. We're going to have a similar opening. Elu yirakot sha'adam yotzebehem yedei chovato bepesach. These are the vegetables that a person fulfills their obligation on Pesach. And it, you see here in hey the elu dvarim, these are the things, right? It doesn't say grains, it doesn't say breads, it doesn't say matzah, and it's very interesting. And in both places, it says that you fulfill your obligation in Pesach, but it doesn't tell you your obligation in what, right? And you might want to read this Mishnah as saying, you're going to see it's going to list five grains after that. You might think it's the obligation in matzah. And obviously, it's talking about grains that can be used for matzah, and then Therefore, conversely, grains that can become chametz. But I would like to suggest that the focus here is not on the matzah that, that we think of as an individual and separate mitzvah, but that we're talking about matzah and maror in the context of Korban Pesach, because we're going to have in Mishnachet a mention of the Korban Pesach as well, of the meat. And as we know, we've been talking about the time when we're shafting the Korban Pesach, when we're on the 14th, etc. And, and soon the, the tractate is going to talk about Korban Pesach and focus only on that. And we know that in Sefer Shmot, in Exodus, in chapter 12, verse 8, it says that I have to roast this um, sacrifice. Matzot al-marurim yochlehu. Right, that matzah with maror, I have to eat it together. Like the experience of eating the korban pesach is with matzah and maror together. And I believe that by phrasing it like this, the, the obligation bepesach is is talking about that obligation and not matzah standing on its own or maror standing on its own. So let's see how this Mishnah continues. Mishnah Hay says, these are the things, which things? And now it lists five grains. Bechitim, besaorim, bekusmin, beshupin, beshibolet she'al. Wheat, barley, spelt, rye, and oats. Okay, so these are the five grains that you can use to make the matzah, right? And the Brite says it has to be grains that could become a chametz. It has to have the potential to become chametz for it to be matzah. Right. And these are also the grains that if you were baking them, you'd have to be mafrish challah. You have to be separate the portion to give to the Kohen from it. And now the Mishnah continues after it lists these types of grains. And it's going to tell you from these grains, I'm going to describe different types of uh, of breads made from the grains linked to tithes. Right. Grains, obviously, as we learned in the Mishnah before, you have to give tithes on them. And they're all different types of tithes. And I'm going to explain if I can use them or not to fulfill the mitzvah with them. Yotzim b'demai. Demai is grains that I'm not sure if tithes have been taken. Right? The, there's a group of people called the Ameha Aretz. The rabbis in the Mishnah call themselves the Chaverim. They're a group of comrades. And they're really strict about making sure they do tithes properly. The average person, their worry, doesn't tithe. And if I get grains from an Amha'aretz, I might be worried they didn't have tithes taken from them. And that's demai. When I'm the safek, I'm not sure if tithes are taken. You can use this 
for matzah without fixing them because we allow poor people to use demai. They don't have to separate again. They can still use it. And so it is eligible to be used for matzah. Um, and also with the first tie that taken from it has been its truma. And this is referring to the levy, right? When I, a regular Yisrael, have a big crop, I give truma gadola, I give first to the Kohen, and then I take a tenth and I give it to the levy. The levy, and it's not in a state of tahara, it's not a state of kochim, um, the levy then has to take from it and give to the Kohen. If I've given it to the levy and then the levy has apportioned his portion to the Kohen, then he can use the remainder of the grains to make himself matzah and fulfill the mitzvah. And then it lists another things. I can also make matzah out of grains where the second tithe has been taken or hektish that has been um, redeemed. So I have to explain this. In the cycle of the seven years, that the seventh year is the sabbatical, there are on the first year, the second year, the fourth year, and the fifth year, uh, there's something that's called maser sheni, a second tithe. And it's a tithe I sort of do to myself. I separate this tithe, and then what I separated, I am supposed to bring that to Yerushalayim and eat it there, and eat it there. It's a way to connect um, the average person to some sense of Kedusha and some sense of going to Jerusalem. If I am going to be unable to take that food there, I am allowed to redeem it, and I'm allowed to transfer its value to money, then the money needs to be taken to Yerushalayim and food is bought there and I eat that food in Yerushalayim. But the, the tithe that I originally separated has lost its status and now can be used for anything. And I can use that redeemed, no longer a tithe grains to make my matzah with, right? And same thing if I had dedicated the grains to the temple, but then I redeemed them, etc. I can use the non sacred anymore grains to make my matzah. And then the Mishnah continues. And the Kohanim, when they get donated, either challah itself as matzah, they can use that for the mitzvah, or if they get grains that were gave, given as their truma tithe, they can turn that into matzah. And that is the list of all the yeses. And what's interesting about the list is like, it, it really is a description of all Am Yisrael. And it, it, it goes backwards. It's, uh, it's just, uh, it, it, the Kohanim are last, right? But um, Kohanim can use from their ties. Levim can use for their ties if their ties have been giving it to the Kohen. Yisraelim can use if they're things that are supposed to be dedicated to the temple in Yerushalayim if they've redeemed them. And the average poor person can even use grain that I'm not even sure has been tithed, might be, hopefully has been tithed. And, and, and collectively, when it comes to the mitzvah, just the way we saw with chametz, with the positive side of this matzah, there's no distinction in hierarchy between the Jewish people. We're all as one. When it comes to tithes, there is a distinction, and that's why he can do his matzah from his truma, and I wasn't allowed to eat the truma. But chametz is the equalizer, and matzah is the equalizer, and maybe that's linked to the essence of what Pesach is, as, you, as the birth of us as a nation. And then the Mishnah continues, of Alobatevo. Tevel is untithed food. I can't use grains that were never tithed at all, and I know for sure weren't. And also, the levy can't, if someone gave him the tenth, but he didn't yet give it to the Kohen, so it's still, it's considered like it, it's untithed. 
you can't use that. So untithed grain you can't use. Right? And the same with the second tithe that I haven't, like, taking it out of its status, right? That if I if I still have to take it to Yerushalayim and eat it, then I it seems like I can't use it. And this last point is a very interesting point because there is a machloket about this uh, in the Tanaitic literature about this, about this case. And and the question is, once I, I I redeem it and it no longer has its sanctity and I don't have to take it to Yerushalayim, then I can use the grain for matzah. But it sounds like if I were to go to Yerushalayim with this tithe and in Yerushalayim, you might have thought, well, you have to eat in Yerushalayim. I should be able to eat it for matzah. And the Mishnah says no. Right. There's a view in the Tosefta that says, yes, that you could use it in Yerushalayim as the grain itself for the tithe. And um, the Mechilta gives an explanation of why not. The Mechilta says the verse said, in all your settlements, in all your homes. Right. Right. Right, that this mitzvah, particularly of Korban Pesach, originally, or of matzah, was originally a home-based thing. It wasn't a base Amigdash based thing. And 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 the place for matzah is is in the home. And so if it's been dedicated as something for Yerushalayim, then I can't have it, right? It's supposed to be eaten only in a specific place, Yerushalayim, and so that excludes it from the essence of this korban, which is interesting. So even though, obviously, once the second temple is built, it's not no longer a domestic korban. I do it in the Beit HaMikdash. But the character that it was once a domestic korban still sticks. And therefore, the grains that I use have to have the potential to be eaten in my home. If they've been dedicated to eaten in Yerushalayim, they don't qualify. And then we have a clincher at the end of the Mishnah that's really interesting. Chalot nazir. Okay, we had this in the first chapter, right? The bread that is made for the Thanksgiving sacrifice. In the first chapter we were talking, we talked about there's tons of bread made and it's four different types of bread. Three of them are matzah and two are chametz, one are chametz, right? So there we were talking about the puzzle chametz one. Now we're talking about the side of the bread that's used for toda that's for matzah. Right. So I have those matzot that I made for the Korban Toda. Can I now use them for my Korban Pesach? And we talked about there's a lot of similarities between the Korban Pesach and the Korban Toda. Right. And similarly, the Nazir, the Nazir is someone who makes vows not to drink wine and not to cut his hair. And he is a Yisrael who in some ways takes on the capability, like a dedication to the divine, similar to a Kohen, not exactly the same as a Kohen, but it's a way that a Yisrael can, can an Israelite can sanctify themselves to the divine and dedicate themselves to the divine. When he ends this Nazarite vow, he also brings three different types of korbanot. One of them is a korban shlamim, right? Korban Pesach is a shlamim, korban Toda is a shlamim, this korban Nazar is a shlamim, and it also has bread with it. Right? So can I use those breads for Korban Pesach? And the Mishnah says, if when I intended, this is about intending again, when I baked them, I made them for myself to use as the Korban. If they were Lashem the Korban, if the purpose was to sacrifice them, and here the Mechilta also add, right, same thing. The purpose is to eat them in Yerushalayim and not in my home, then I can't use them for Matzah. 
But if when I baked them, my original intention was to sell some of them, I was going to use some for myself, or I might first try to sell them. And other people might use them to buy for their korban toda or to buy for the korban nazir or to just have some matzah. Then I can use them and because they weren't made with the intention of being the special korban, right? And here, this is really interesting. Again, first of all, we have added a theme that we've started to see in this chapter about human intention. When people do things and the intent they do has ramifications for how it plays out in the world. That's the first thing we're noticing. The second thing, once again, I have Korban Toda mentioned to me. And now I've had Korban Nazir added. And in some ways, the Nazir and the Toda are the opposite, right? If the Toda was like a celebration of life and of, of excess and of all this food, and the Nazir is the ascetic, the holding back, the don't doing, right? And in his vows, the, the Torah lists, it's not just that he doesn't drink wine. It describes every single like sort of from grape itself to drying grape to every single process of using grapes. So if we're thinking about also human beings interacting this, with this world, right? All the things that human beings do with grapes, he's not doing. And he he's not cutting his hair and he's dedicating his life to the divine. And so in some ways, they're the diametric opposite of each other, the Nazir and the, and the Toda. And yet, if I am partially doing that, but partially... I, I intend to sell them and I might use it. I can do it. I can do it for my Korban Pesach. But if my intention was to use it specifically as a tithe to bring to Yerushalayim or as these Korbanot in Yerushalayim, and it isn't linked to my home-based experience of the Korban Pesach and my national experience of the Korban Pesach, then I can't use it. Okay. This is another sort of very interesting idea that's being presented to us in this chapter that we have to think about when we think about the overarching themes of the chapter. And particularly the, the Nazir, if we know that one of the themes of the chapter is enjoyment of this world, and the Nazir is someone who's an aesthetic who refrains from enjoyment, that's going to be really interesting for us to think about. And we will continue next time by looking at a similarly structured Mishnah about the Yerakot, about Maror. Thank you to our Pardes faculty, and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning, and visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.